Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, January 10th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. We have a lot to cover here. First segment, uh, Brandon Joseph, uh, safety. Well, wait a minute. The, the top news of the day. Marcus Freeman's 36 years old today, by the way. So happy birthday to Coach Freeman. Uh, but Brandon Joseph, Nordame's newest safety from Northwestern. Um, really like him. Liked his film. He's long. You know, it's he's six foot one, but man, he plays longer, long arms, makes plays. Nine interceptions in 21 college games. Let's start with that because, of course, we have Jared Patterson, Isaiah Foskey, and some others announcing that they will be back for the 2022 season. We'll get into that in a second, but let's talk about Brandon Joseph and and what you guys see in that safety from Northwestern. Safety with ball skills. I mean, they don't they don't have anybody on the roster that has ball skills uh, at that position. Like Ramon Henderson might, but we haven't really seen it. Um, the ball seems to get to DJ Brown sometimes, but I, I'm not sure I would say like, okay, DJ Brown is locked up on a slot receiver one-on-one. I feel good about Notre Dame's chances. So that's, I mean, that's what killed them in the Fiesta Bowl. They didn't have enough DBs who can cover. And Brandon Joseph is a safety who can cover and those those are hard to find so that's a it's a big big pickup I, I think he would have I mean if you had like Brandon Joseph in your program at the beginning of last season and he played in the Fiesta Bowl not saying that would have made a difference but it mm. probably would have made a difference a play or two anyway yeah because that's all you needed yeah that yeah. is I mean that's certainly all they needed was a play or two I mean there's a there's a third and ten it was a 29 yard jump ball and everybody in the world knew it was coming it was completed. Yeah, I mean, nine picks in 21 games, Tim. Is, that's that's a hell of a number. It feels like it? it's cherry picking when I say this because Kyle Hamilton as a freshman had four picks. But Notre Dame's safeties in 2020 and 2021 had eight picks. All of them. Yeah. I mean, Hamilton had, what, four of them? D.J. Brown had three and yeah, Ramon he had, had one. He had, had six and nine zero. games as a true freshman last yeah. year. Yeah. I, you know, I don't. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they have a replacement for Kyle Hamilton. And I know they're saying that because of the interception total. He's not Kyle Hamilton. Let's be realistic no, no. here. But he's a, he's he he walks into the starting lineup just like Nick McLeod did. McLeod did just like Alohi Gilman did after he got over some some bumps early. And, you know, there's a rival at Notre Dame. But, um, yeah, a, a, a really good football player. Uh, Pete, as far as ball skills, uh, you know, among safeties, I would imagine Xavier Watts does, too, as a former receiver and yet you know it's different i mean you're catching catching the football as a db and catching the football as a receiver are very different you're headed in two different directions um so it's a little bit of a different learn for a guy there but uh, yeah i like joseph he steps in the starting lineup um you know dj brown was one of those that announced that he will be coming back and so i would imagine you go into thinking go into it thinking that those are your two starters uh, but let's talk about Patterson and Foskey and some others. Just uh, let's start with those two because those are those are really, really big catches for Notre Dame coming back in 2022. I don't know how many times on this podcast we talked about, like, you know, if you could only have X back, which one would you choose? And I think we were pretty much all in agreement that Foskey was your number one every time. Um, so that's massive. Um, you know, Patterson, I think, Tim, you had gotten some word midseason that, like, yeah, fifth year coming back like probable um but then i think we probably talked to some similar people and over the last month it was probable would have been overly optimistic i think um i think he was le- he was leaning towards departing um and so notre dame was able to kind of reverse that last week with 
Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese um, and some others on Zoom calls and basically getting Patterson's head returned toward returning to a fifth year. So yeah, that's those are those are big things. Like Foskey, Foskey can win you games, um, and they they don't have anybody like him on the roster. I'm not saying that they have all this assembly line of centers that we're going to be ready to step in for Jared Patterson, but I would have felt a lot better replacing Jared Patterson than I would Isaiah Foskey. I would have not have felt good replacing Jared Patterson at all, but Isaiah Foskey is still the obvious choice. That's, yes. that's how highly I put Isaiah Foskey on this as a game changer, game winner. I mean, he, he almost stole back the Oklahoma state game, right? That was Isaiah yeah. Foskey. That, yeah. that was that, that. Look, uh, they needed Patterson back because Let's just move on from Foskey. It's awesome. He's coming back. <laughs> and we talked to him in November and we were all like, that guy can't, he's not going pro. He just didn't seem like a guy that wanted to go pro yet. And of course, when they give him, you know, they obviously explain to you how much money you can have and still be a nice young person. You might still want to go pro, but it's great that he came back. Um, yeah. Patterson makes the offensive line in the off season. People are not, people were getting really mad when we were saying there's a major question if Patterson's gone. Just because Zeke Carell is built for center more than guard doesn't mean Notre Dame is going to be a great offensive line if Zeke Carell's the starting center instead of Jarrett Patterson. They now have a five, fifth-year senior who has been awesome for two years and should be again for another year. Like, he was really, really good before he got hurt. He was really good almost all last year with all the junk going on around him. I mean, it's it's harder when you're getting guards blocked into you left and right, too. But I, I think it's gigantic he came back, and Jason Adebiola is not a luxury at it all. He makes their strength a strength, too. Like, these guys were hugely necessary, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I bristle a little bit at questions like which is more important. One isn't dependent upon the other, right. so I don't, I don't really, I, you know, I agree. Foskey changes the game. No, right? I agree. I mean, yeah. I, I completely agree with that. But Patterson coming back is is huge, and I don't, I don't think it's a stretch to say that if Harry Heastan isn't the offensive line coach, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think Patterson necessarily comes back. I, you know, just because of the familiarity that Heastan brings to the Notre Dame equation. I think that that ultimately proved to be uh, a really big deal, but your point, Tim, about the Adam Alola's, I mean, I, I think we always thought that um, Justin we always thought that Justin would come back, but Jason coming back is hugely significant, especially with Heinish walking out the door. I mean, you lose those two guys. That is, I know they have depth there and we like, we like the younger guys cross has done a good job. Mills and, and Lacey's done a nice job, but still to have those two frontline guys back, um, you know, on the defensive line is huge. I know a lot of people are like, you know, they want they want uh, Spindler to, to beat out Lug, but Lug's a 20-game starter, and you let that play out. Um, Davis back at receiver. I know he has to overcome a, a significant knee injury, but he's an athlete, and I think he will do that in time. Lindsey, I don't know if we – had he announced when we had our podcast last? He I may have. I believe that he did. Yeah, he did. And we knew about Takis and, and, and Griffith. And then, you know, of course, Austin's leaving. MTA announced he's leaving, but that wasn't a surprise. Pryor is going to try his hand at the NFL. Moala, Bramlett, Ajavon, Carroll, Simon, G, Offered. All those guys are. Yeah. All those guys are. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I know some of them are in the portal. I mean, they're all in the portal and some could come back, I, but I wouldn't anticipate that. But than any of them do mta doesn't count here when i when i make the statement no no because he was a fifth year senior no he's no one's come back for a sixth year if they don't absolutely have to from no, like right. Avery davis and crawford so removing him i mean 
Jay Bramblett's your second worst loss that could have returned. They could have logically returned at Notre Dame. Like he should be coming back as a senior, a graduated senior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kevin Austin's obviously number one, but I want to I want to bring this up. And I started writing Monday Musings today before a very long appointment. Um, Kevin Austin, three years ago, if I say to you, "Is Kevin Austin coming back for the 2022 season as a fifth year?" You'd be like. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah Two years no. ago, Kevin Austin. Think he's going to come back for a fifth year? Hell no. Beginning of August, Kevin Austin coming back? No. Have you seen him out there? Are you kidding? So what? We can't be surprised that Kevin Austin's not back, right? Yeah, I don't know that I quite look at it the same way that you do because I mean he he had so much to prove going into the season that why wouldn't he look at it as a two year proposition? Other than like, the fact that he wants to because he, he gets doesn't paid want... when he gets hurt. Like, no, I, 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 paid I, when they're hurt. Totally get that. Yeah. Totally get it. I, I think my only thing with Austin is like the Cincinnati game happened and those are the corners he's going to play in, in the NFL. So like, I think as soon as you, that happens, you're like, Ooh, okay. I'm not as far along as I need to be. Um, but you know, he wants to go pro. I mean, and this is, is it's the same thing with Foskey, but in reserve in reverse Foskey could have gone pro no problem, but he wanted to come back because that's, that's just what he wanted to do. I talked to one of his family members last night and because I, I was pitched, I was sort of like, you know, what's the return on the investment? You come, you leave now, you go in the second round, you come back next year, you're a mid first rounder, you make that much more money. He's like, yeah, that's part of it. But he just wanted to come back. He liked being in college. That's what we thought. When we and I think the reverse is true with Kevin Austin. He was yeah. ready to do something else. Right. Like the fact that it contractually doesn't make the most sense uh, from an NFL point of view, like, I don't think that really mattered. Um, he's just ready to do something else. Interestingly enough, of the five that were granted a uh, an evaluation from the NFL, Foskey was the only one that got a third-round grade. Everybody else was told to come back. Right. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, clearly clearly, Kevin Austin was uh, as well. Um, and then last thing, and I want to talk about assistant coaching because that continues on. We still need to hear from uh, Bo Bauer. Tariq Bracey, Joe Wilkins. I think, you know, considering who already has indicated they're returning, I think those guys are likely, right? Yeah. Bauer, uh, Bracey, Bauer, Wilkins. Bauer, I have been told from secondary sources is yeah. returning. Um, Wilkins, they should get an NIL deal for him to come back until they sign some more wide receivers. <laughs> what are you going to do without Joe Wilkins as a backup in your room next yeah. year? Yeah. They and expect then, Joe Wilkins to be back. Yeah. yeah, the Brace is the one I I I really I feel like Bracey will come back, but I it's just he a is, hunch. He does. Tim, you and I did you talk to him that day as well? I mean, I understand that in November talking to a senior corner that's reticent anyway isn't going to be like, yeah, well I'm going to figure it out. Here's my pluses and minuses. I mean, even Braden Lindsay was really guarded about it. I could not read Bracey at all. Yeah. And, I do think he would have announced by now. He's not like going pro. He's not going pro. I don't know. So Maybe they're kind of stretching it. Maybe they'll kind of stretch it out yeah. over the week. Uh, we'll see. They need him come back. I mean, because he is one of the few guys that has made plays at that position for them. Yeah, I think he would start next year and be part-time starter, you know, more more so starter than not starter. Maybe he wants to start completely. Yeah. At a little bit lower level. Yeah. Um, as far, and I just want to mention this all-star game, uh, over the weekend, I, I would, we're not going to comment on that right now. Cause I want to get into coaching, but just, you can find that information, uh, on, on irishillustrated.com. 
Uh, but I do want to talk about the coach, and we know Harry, he stands the offensive line coach. We know Chris Watt is coming back with him, which is hugely significant um, because he could – He, I think a lot of people would like to see Chris Watt be the offensive line coach in Notre Dame someday, just not now. Right. And so if he comes back with Harry, he stand. That pretty much paves the way. We know Brian Mason is coming in as special teams coach. Um, defensive coordinator is still kind of all – I don't – I don't know where I really don't know where that's going to end up. I Pete, you and I were talking about, you know, until we see John Haycock, not be the guy. I mean, he's still right up there in the running. I'm not sure that he's, in fact, we're both sure that he's not necessarily number one on their list, but he's a veteran coach. That's had a lot of, a lot of success and couldn't end up being that guy. But as far as wide receivers, Holman Wiggins, I believe Irish Illustrated was the first to indicate that on a podcast uh, last week. He is definitely in the running. The other name, Jamarcus Shepard, the receivers coach at Purdue. We're aware of a third name, but I'm going to hold off on that for right now. Uh, right now, it's a Wiggins-Shepard deal. Pete, you got any sense for which direction that's going to go? Yeah, I mean, I had heard Shepard uh, was the more likely and Tom, and Tom Loy also uh, from 24 seven sports also indicated that yesterday as well, by the way. So we will see. Um, but yeah, that was something I heard over the weekend that, that Shepard was more of a front runner, but um, I don't, I could, I wouldn't sit there and say that he's the front runner in the same way that Harry Heastan was the front runner to be offensive right. line coach. You know, it's just that they'll figure this out. I, I do think that Reese, I mean, Reese is, talked to quite a few people about the, the position. Um, I think that they're, they, I feel like they have good candidates for it. Right. That's uh, what but, I was going to say. I, I think either one of those is they're doing just fine. Yeah. If you get Wiggins or Shepard and, and Wiggins, you know, I don't, I mean, he's playing in, he's coaching a national championship game tonight. Uh, so there's in Indianapolis. He can just drive up us 31 tomorrow. That's right. He could be at Notre Dame by, uh, by early tomorrow. He can so, announce right after the game. Take yeah. Saban's talking about something. I'm taking my skills to the university of Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, a lot of people ask, why would he want to leave Alabama to come to Notre Dame? Because it, not because people are different, you know, I, and I, and I mentioned in the story, he, he has, I don't know how much this plays into it, but he has six kids like Marcus Freeman does. And maybe, the Notre Dame environment as opposed to the SEC environment is a little bit. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to say it exactly. Huh? Say the word, say the word, get in trouble. (laughs) Easier. I don't know. (laughs) Is it a little easier environment? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little bit more conducive for a family, for a father of six. Yeah. Completely agree. So we'll see how that plays out. But, um, yeah, I mean, the last thing that's going to happen here is defense coordinator, as it should, because it's a it's a uh, very important pick for the 36-year-old head coach, Marcus Freeman. We'll be back, segment two, burning up the boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is burning up the boards. We start with a question from. I lost who wrote the first question. Well, I don't right, like you'll the know, question anyway, you'll, so he's better you'll, off. This you'll know what. No, I'm sorry. I think it was. Uh, I'm sorry. I think it was Annie Davis too. 
After the Fiesta Bowl, there was a legitimate concern that there would be an eight month. No, I don't think it was him. I'm not sure. <laughs> you, whoever whoever at, whoever wrote this question will know who it is. After the Fiesta Bowl, there was a legitimate concern that there would be an eight month hangover with all the good vibes from the Freeman hire gone following the loss. Does the string of returning players change the narrative? What is the vibe around the program right now? I think the, the vibe is great. Um, I expected most of these players to return. I guess everybody but Patterson by the time the Fiesta Bowl happened. Um, I don't remember a legitimate concern about eight month hangover. I just thought like, well, it's gonna stink. Yeah, I know. I had said, you know, it's gonna you're going to you're going to be zero and one for eight months. I didn't I didn't mean that there'd be a cloud hanging over the program for eight months, but uh, I get it. And yeah, it's changed. And anytime you start getting the Foskies and the Pattersons and the Davises back and the Adam Alos, yeah, it's uh, you feel a lot better about it. it. Really, all things considered. It, you really couldn't have asked for more, right? For all the yeah. guys that have, you could ask for one more. Yeah, you could. You could ask for one more. Um, he wasn't and, gonna come back. We, yeah, we've been talking but it's about like I, I, year, he wasn't coming back. Like, I think it's it was an A minus week for Notre Dame yeah. or A minus weekend, and Austin would have made it an A, and that's it. Like that's a that is a really really good week. They, Notre Dame had a very winning week. Uh, so that's I didn't I never felt like there was a hangover or anything. It was just like it was you can, you don't go from honeymoon to hangover. Like there's like this gap in between. So like the honeymoon ended and like now Notre Dame is they're having a good off season so far and they should be a top 10 team in all the way too early top 25s that come out tonight, which is great. The statistical nature of the loss probably just started to linger a little bit because we're finding all these ridiculous numbers like, well, they haven't given up that many yards since Ted Ginn. They right. haven't, I mean, we, we started looking at it like, God, what in the world happened in that second half? If you look at the drive chart of the second half on the offense, it's like bad drive, bad drive, bad drive, bad drive, decent drive, interception, bad drive, bad drive. It, it's really alarming. But uh, they have and if, I mean, if the, the defense, which gave up 609 yards, if it hadn't risen up in the fourth quarter – they was they was scored 50. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now that would have maybe that would have been over. <laughs> yeah, they still did just lose because of a you know a, a decision they had. It was a 49-51 decision that didn't work out and it didn't work out, right? And that, that would have made it tough. So. Yeah. Yeah. Question from Wash ND. Could the flurry of players coming back plus the massive upgrade of coaches at it's a massive upgrade of coaches at O-line and wide receiver influence? Kevin Austin to change his mind and join the party. No. Yeah, that's it's not going to happen. It's I mean, you'll, happen. You know, that's not a yeah, I don't I, Kevin Austin's not influenced by what his former teammates are doing right now. I don't I don't think. I mean, as Pete and Tim have pointed out, I've, I've been getting pretty staunch on this that he wasn't coming back, even though you know we were kind of hopeful. Like Kevin Austin's clearly not influenced by a whole heck of a lot because as Pete said, the Cincinnati game happened. As Priester has said, he cannot go pro because he's not going to be drafted high enough. And these things are all still true. Mm -hmm. But he was going because he wanted to go. As Pete said, he wants something different. And he is an early graduate who has a history of suspension and injury. And he wants to get paid the next time he has something like that. Well, and he, I mean, he he's he's invested in himself, right? Right. I mean, right. so, he, so he, has con he has confidence in himself that, hey, you put me on that level and I'm going to show everybody that I belong there. So, you know, go for it. I, 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 I still believe that if, if Notre Dame wasn't for him in 2022, he would have been better off going somewhere else and, and putting up really big numbers. 
but that's his call. It's his life. It's his career. And um, it's Notre Dame's misfortune because I did a couple of stories here this week about yards after catch and, and, uh, and, you know, receptions per target and Austin, all of those things, despite the Cincinnati game and some other bumps in the road, uh, all those Kevin Austin was really, really was among the best, if not the best uh, among the pass cut catchers for Notre Dame. And they're going to miss them. It's too bad. You couldn't get that one, that piece, but um, you know, they're going to have to make that up in the, in the transfer portal. If you want to, if you want an experienced receiver with 48 receptions and a whole bunch of yards after the catch and 41% of his yards after the catch were, uh, was really good. Pete, do you know who had, who had the highest percentage of yards after the catch per receptions? Uh, it's, I'm assuming it's not Austin cause you're asking. So no, yeah, I don't, he, I don't he was, no, it, it was, it was Lorenzo styles. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Like from like more than 50% of his, and you know, and, um, mayors, what was his, his percentage was in the forties, which is amazing because when he catches the football, he's hit immediately, Yeah, but he's still got 40% of his yards after the catch. Uh, and that's why he's great. And that's why it's wonderful that players can't leave it. Yeah. It's wonderful that they have to be here. It's wonderful that the NCAA and the NFL have decided he does not have the right to make a living yet as a 19 year old, who's way better than 22 year olds coming out. So that's fine. I like it. Mac three four one. These yeah, are two put together. those two together. Yeah, here. please do. Yep. Mac three four one. What are your thoughts on the offensive line with both Lug and Patterson coming back? Who starts next year? And does Spindler get playing time? Plus, related note: Gr Irish fan twenty two. Which player surprises you more with his choice to return, Foskey or Patterson? Uh, I think. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and throw the next question in here too. <laughs> Tim, from Iris John M. Does Joe Alt stay at left tackle with Blake Fisher at right tackle, or do they flip flop? Um, so let, let's address uh, let's address all of that. Um, First part is yeah. easy. Uh, Patterson surprises us more. We always thought Fosky was coming back, right? Correct. Right. Yeah, we always thought Fosky would, would come back. Is Patterson a, a shy? It's not a shock, uh, but you know he had a lot of things to consider. At the forefront of it was he suffered a really bad break broken foot that, that can hamper you for a long time um, for the rest of your career, really. And I don't think that that's necessarily completely behind him. So he had to consider that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think that he felt good about coming back to Notre Dame and playing for Harry Heastan. But as far as offensive line, I think from left to right, I think it's going to be Alt Christophic Patterson. Um, a combination of Lug and Spindler, which he stand has done before, and then Fisher at right tackle. I think, I think that that Fisher is a better left tackle, and Alt would be a better would be better at right tackle. But I don't think that they're going to make that change. I don't have a sense whether they would flip Alt and Fisher. I think they both are good where they are. Um, I don't think you have to do that. I I think that part that's most interesting is to me at least is like Josh Lug returns Rocco Spindler needs reps how do you balance those two things yeah. Josh Lug out for spring most likely because he had the meniscus surgery um you need to get Rocco Spindler like 
as much first team work in spring ball as you can. He got some first team work last year in spring ball, um, which I think we all sort of forget a year removed from it. Cause I do think that's, that's a player who is highly recruited sitting two years with no chance of playing is not, not maybe the, you know, there's no. not the patience there all the time. Not when you your last I mean. name's Spindler. No, you got, he <laughs> needs to play next season. So get that, get that train moving in spring ball. Let's and I completely agree with that, Pete. But let's remove that from the equation. Let's say Notre Dame's just being you no, know, we are we're doing everything's on merit. I feel like the tie goes to the younger, talented player rather than the sixth year senior with a bad back that needs some relief no matter what. Does that make sense? Like if Spindler's let's say Lug just looks a little better. Everything the communication with Lug and Blake Fisher is outstanding, and Lug and Patterson is outstanding, and everything works out great. And Spindler's really, really good. Is Lug going to go 800 steps? No, no, but I mean, why can't yeah. they yeah. have shit? They have timeshare before they did yeah, with Robert I think, Hainsey. I think they almost have to if if Spindler earns it. He almost has to timeshare, yeah. right? No, I think that would be best. I, I think it would be best for Notre Dame. It certainly would be best to make sure that Rocco Spindler isn't impatient. You know, I mean, let's face it. You're Rocco Spindler, and you got two, you got two, you know, classmates that. One of which, you know, Joe Alt wasn't as highly touted, certainly as Spindler and, and and Fisher. So you got two classmates that are starting on the offensive line uh, or earn starts. And if you're Spindler, you're thinking, hey, where the hell's mine? You know, and I, I, I get that. Yeah. But he does have to earn that in the spring. And you're right, Pete. I mean, you know, really, when we exited spring, that was pre-K Madden, right? So we were thinking that Spindler yes. was going to beat out. Dirksen uh, Gibbons. Gibbons, right? Yeah. So, um, right. Uh, a lot of people are asking about Dirksen. I, I don't. I don't think. Well, here's there's a couple thoughts here. Obviously, I mean, he's probably ready to move on, but if they lose one interior player to transfer, do they ask him to consider staying if he wasn't going to stay? Does that have anything to do with it? You know. I, I think Dirksen's moving on with his life. He has more yeah. important things on his plate. I, I, I agree. Just football, I just wonder so. if, if they lose a guy, all of a sudden you're losing two guys, or maybe they've just maybe they just planned on losing Dirksen this whole time. So it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a shock if they lose one more guy. All right. Question from Monster Twenty One: Are there any? Yeah, Tim, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think we should address why we think Alt might stay at left tackle because people are going to be like, why in the world would Blake Fisher not be your left tackle? It's because everybody talked about how great um, Alt communicates with everyone, and it's a unique trait at left tackle, and they might at least try to keep that cohesion intact, in right? Yeah, I think there's some other things in, in, in play there as well. I, I, I mean, I just think as far as pure pass-blocking ability, I think Fisher's better. I do too, but that's why we're trying to say why he might stay, <laughs> why they might not flip him. I mean – the way we understand it, they're going to keep it the way it is right now. And I don't think, I don't think it's necessary to be all up in arms about that. They're two real quality freshman offensive tackles that are both going to be very good. If you flip flop them, they're going to be good. If you keep them the way they are, they're going to be good. I, I, I don't think that that is a significant concern as it relates to how well Nordame's offensive line functions based upon which plays left and which plays right. Would you agree? Not on that? January 10th. Definitely not on January 10th. <laughs> Definitely not on January 10th. 
Uh, do we answer? We I put, we put three questions together there. Do we answer all of that? Let's go on to let's go on to Monster Twenty One. Are there any other key targets like Brandon Joseph in the portal? There are. I mean, there are many people in the portal. So there, <laughs> logically, you would assume there are many key targets. But Brandon Joseph was the name. As soon as he went in, I heard Notre Dame was going to go after him, and I'm not sure I've really heard anything as definitive on anybody else. I mean, they're also not done moving their roster around Notre Dame. So more, more portal candidates will emerge in uh, mid to late January. And of course, during the spring, like you don't, you don't always get your portal guys in January. I did see a graphic that the portal uh, has, is obviously filling up a lot faster. It used to be um, the summer three or four years ago, whenever it started in 2018, right? So the summer of that year was the most portal movement. Then it was moved to like May, which is after spring ball, which makes sense. And last year it was January. And this year it's going to be January again, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be 800 possibilities for you in May. If you lose an offensive lineman or a backup corner or something like that. Right. And we always remember that Nick McLeod was added in May a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that, that part can go on. That's, what's amazing about this. Like normally you'd come back from a bowl game and it's like, okay. Um, you know, you got signing date coming up that when it was just one signing day in, in February. So, okay. You know, who's pretty much on board. So usually this time of year, you pretty much know the composition of the, the, the roster in the fall. Whereas right now, I mean, there are probably 10 or 12 pieces that are going to change between now man, that, that might maybe that's a lug string because some of the pieces have already fallen one way or another but the 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 fluidity of the roster is going to remain uh much further than you know what we're accustomed to here in january if you told me that notre dame one of notre dame's starting receivers this season is currently on another roster and not in the portal i think that makes a ton of sense like that that's very reasonable, um, which is like, I think hard to like, wait a minute, because you, you just want to evaluate everything as it is right now. There's just, there's more movement to come with transfers and portals. And I, I think that Notre Dame will stand to benefit from that. I think a backup receiver is also probably in the portal too. I mean, they need a starter is ideal. They need us. They lost Kevin Austin. They, they need it. They need a high level starting wide receiver to join this team to be a playoff winner. Right. Yes, and they need to get to the point where the where the receivers are a little bit more interchangeable than they are. I, you know, you, I mean, you should be able to run receivers on and off the field with, with some degree of regularity, and they 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 do that about as much as Mike Braid dips into his bench. <laughs> more so, jokes more are so, endless if you want to go. More into so, those. more so now, more so now. You know, you saw a couple of freshmen play this year, but. Uh, I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they, I, just, I'm with you, they I'm with you. well, for instance, like a good, a good example of this, and this, maybe this disqualifies the situation because uh, they only had five receivers for the game or six. Kevin Austin runs a corner on second down in the fourth quarter. Doesn't catch it. He comes out of a game for Deion Colsey, who takes one of his three, three, three snaps. Now, if you had interchangeable players, do you have a more experienced guy that can take that rep as opposed to, well, Colsey has to be the backup W. He has to go in for Kevin Austin if Kevin Austin comes off the field, right? It's like was, he has to come in for that guy. He, there's 
this is the way it has to work. Yeah. Because Salerno I, came in. Salerno came yeah. in with other guys. I mean, the problem with that is you only had Austin Styles. Yeah. I, and I, like, I in normal circumstances, I totally agree with you. In those circumstances, no right. was like I'm not talking, I'm not, yeah, no, I'm not right, talking about right. the Fiesta Bowl per se. I'm just talking about in general. Yes. I guess to my point was to like to Tim's point, Matt Salerno came in when Lindsay had to come off the field. Why couldn't Deion Colsey come in when Lindsay had to come off the field? More so to that point. Is that relevant, kind of? Maybe, but I mean assignments. Yeah, I'm not sure if Deion Colsey knows all the assignments if you put them in, if you align them somewhere else. I you know, I don't know. But they need to they they need to have more depth. At receiver, those are the guys that are running around the whole damn game. I mean, you got you've got to be able to be a little bit more interchangeable with those guys moving forward. Question from Wilmus one fifty five: How confident are you that Maris Leafau returns to his previous form? He could be a game changer next year. Based on the fact that he was practicing uh, during bull prep, pretty confident. Um, and I agree, he could be a game changer last fall. I. If he was healthy this year, he would have led Notre Dame in tackles. Yes. I agree. I agree. He actually ruined uh, two Tim O'Malley predictions because of that. I thought got- Maris Leifau would lead Notre Dame in tackles, but I also thought they would have <laughs> even more sacks and pressures than they got from the linebackers because all I envisioned was that dude on third down. Yeah. And, and he's, no, he's no, the no offense. Instead, it was J.D. Bertrand firing, and you see he had some misses too. You know, that's, Maris Leifau does not miss in those – his. He's got that condor thing going on a little bit, yeah. right? With the wingspan. <laughs> yeah, as far as his injury, I mean, broken bones heal. He, it's 2022, man. I mean, he, he should right, be Mata. fine. <laughs> well, Zeke, Mata, Zeke Mata now telling somebody how to feel when they're injured. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, well, it's he's not going to – his injury is not going to cause him – it's not a Jalen Smith injury. No. He, he, he'll be fine. He'll be he, – there's no reason why he shouldn't be Maris Leofile that we all envisioned. It's my favorite. It's my favorite <laughs> thing. I love bringing it up, though. When Zeke Mata tells Matthias Farley that he's okay because it's already broken. Just, just right. do it, dude. You're just, it's already broken. Why are you? Why do you care? <laughs> well, you see, I'm not crazy. So yeah. All right, Tim. Here's the question. I it wasn't any Davis. Yeah, any okay. Davis is quarterback depth chart already set heading into the offseason, or do you expect a real competition? I wouldn't say it's set in stone, but certainly they're leaning towards Tyler Buckner. I would imagine. Uh, he's the one with the greatest upside and in, in long-term ability. But, you know, you think about all the reps that Jack Cohn, all the big key important reps that Jack Cohn got in practice. Well, he won't be taking those. And so now you have, you know, now, now you have a little bit more of an open competition than you did, I think, when you brought Jack Cohn in. Uh, still think it'll be Tyler Buckner. But, um, you know, Drew Pine maybe inches a little bit closer to uh, the, the top of the depth chart. I would be absolutely floored if it wasn't Tyler Buckner based on everything that I've heard around Notre Dame. Like that's, that's the guy they're, they're going to be all in on. And if they bring in a grad transfer, I think it has more to do probably has more of a commentary about like how good they feel about pine than how good they feel about Buckner. Yeah. Um, They need to have more functional depth at that position, especially with a running quarterback who, you know, is going to get banged up at some point. You wonder what type of grad transfer they would target because it is the only position where I, I do believe like if the guy's not a lot better than Buckner, I don't want a competition between a, a one-year placeholder and, and Tyler Buckner, your future. So do, are you bringing in a guy that's like Buckner that can run and help Drew Pine? Or are you bringing in a nowhere near as good Jack Cohn to run the offense? 
but more, I mean, take away the mobility thing with Cone. Like a guy that's just not as good as, as Jack Cone. What do you think you go to if you need another backup player? Because I, I just figured Drew Pine is the backup. Yeah, and then you have, uh, of course, you have Angeli uh, coming in. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I totally agree with with Samson that Buckner is the guy, and that's who they're, that's who they're going to gear everything around. Um, but I don't know if that's – I don't know so if do anybody just wants like that Buckner? to me. Do you bring in a backup at all like Buckner? I think, I think you're better off – if you do that, you're better off bringing in somebody comparable to him as far as skill set, yes. Yeah, it's a, that's a unique situation. <laughs> bringing a backup backup athlete seems yeah. strange yeah. slim kev with the emergence of henderson and the addition of brandon joseph does xavier watts move back to wide receiver no 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 don't do that what if what if what if brandon joseph gets hurt in august i mean no xavier watts showed real quality instincts and real physicality from the safety position you need to you need to go four deep. He needs to play. I'm not. It, it doesn't have to be a one guy plays the whole game. He needs to play. I would not move Xavier Watts back to wide receiver where they didn't. You know that that was a position of need for them, and he didn't rise up the depth chart. Safety was a position of need, and he immediately was productive. I wouldn't move him. I wouldn't even consider that. Yeah, I I wouldn't consider that either. I, I was surprised that Watts didn't play a little bit more in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, I agree, but. Certainly flashed enough in late October through November to think like, all right, there's some good things happening here. So I would keep him at safety. You need you need quality depth there. It's not yeah. like Notre Dame has three Kyle Hamiltons running around and Xavier Watts is the fourth guy. Like that should be a pretty open competition. I never really thought of what going into the game of Watts was going to get a lot of playing time because his coverage is not as good yet. Obviously, you know, he doesn't know the ins and outs of it. But when you see that DJ Brown missed four tackles. One was a touchdown. One was a costly one that set up another touchdown. Xavier Watts is a pretty good tackler. Yeah. And I, I, but in fairness to Marcus Freeman and O'Leary, I never thought well, they got to get Xavier Watts in there for DJ Brown going to this game. I'm sure those two were like, what is he doing? Cause he had played much better football than he did in the festival. You know? Yeah. And you know, DJ Brown talked about, I, I've needed to improve my tackling. Yeah, and then, and, he did. <laughs> and then, well, he did. Yeah. He did in November. And, but then you get in a situation where okay, it hasn't been live bullets for five weeks. And, um, you know, some of the tackling issues resurface. So, um, um, you know, but no, Watts needs, you need, you're going to have attrition back there. Watts has a future at, at, who maybe Watts wins a starting job. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think Brandon Joseph, you pencil him in, but maybe Watts wins a starting job. There isn't anybody established enough back there uh, to make that move. And he didn't show enough at receiver, apparently didn't show enough at receiver to warrant, warrant that move. I like him at safety. Sugar Shane, 76. Can <laughs> someone do a deep dive into the stats and show why everyone should be excited with the he stand higher actual cold, hard statistics. I did not read this by the way, ahead of time, which is going to mitigate my ability to look at these statistics, perhaps compared to <laughs> Quinn or maybe more appropriate compared prior to his arrival. We all want to believe, and maybe that would help. Well, I, I knew the question and I purposely didn't look up any stats because it doesn't require a deep, it doesn't, it doesn't require a deep dive. I mean, first of all, they won the Joe Moore award. So there, there, that's, that's, that's the most telling stat 
necessary. He developed four first round draft choices in a handful of years. Jeff Quinn did not make in-game adjustments well. He did, he did not. Players will tell you that. People in the Goog will tell you that. That is the that's the bottom line. He wasn't able to, that's the that was the opinion within the Goog. He wasn't able to make the adjustments on the fly when things weren't going well. Harry Heastan is a master at this. Do they run the ball every game, every time, all the time? Nobody does that. So there are time, there have been times when Harry Heastan's been the offensive line coach and they have struggled, but he's a better football coach. He's a proven football coach. Jeff Quinn did a lot of good things, including recruiting and, and found a way to get this offensive line to mesh after it came out really very, very slowly to start the 2021 season. I'm not doing a deep dive. Harry Heastan is a significant improvement on the offensive line for Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. Talk while I finish my deep dive. Harry Heastan was hired by an NFL team after he left Notre Dame, and Jeff Quinn does not have another job yet. Could you guys keep so, talking? Well, and, and, you know, and then I know people say, well, Harry Heastan was fired by the Bears. Have you seen the Bears? Did have you, you know watched? that Harry Heastan was fired by the Bears before he took the Notre Dame job? The first time. He's been fired by the Bears twice. Have you seen the Bears play? Yeah. Do you, do you trust the decision-making that the Chicago Bears – are engaged in in recent years. Well, it's like the, it's the same thing. Harry Heastan was Vince Dooley's offensive line or not Vince Dooley, Derek Dooley's offensive line coach at Tennessee. He was not like, it wasn't good, but Harry Heastan and matching with Notre Dame has been good before it will be good again. Um, you know, he gets to coach the kind of players that can understand his coaching. It's, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm floored that anybody would be like, I need a, I need an explanation about why this is a good hire. I think a lot of it is age, which I don't, which is. Well, no, I know. I, I, I understand where everybody's point is because the point was brought up by media. Um, we have talked about on this podcast, on the Shamrocks podcast, on other sites, podcasts that players that didn't go pro, not everybody loved Harry. He stand. We've talked right. about that. That's true. And we've talked about that. You know, this is a new era and it's going to be, there's no demeaning coaching. Marcus Freeman said there will be no demeaning. Everybody, everybody's hundred percent in recruiting. That's probably not having Harry. He's yells at people. Good. It's fine. If you're going to cry about that, it's probably not going to work out well for you. It, it Maybe he won't be the best recruiter on the staff. So I think everybody's taking that and saying, is this the best possible hire for Notre Dame? Where I could just say, on my deep dive on stats, I just did in the last 90 seconds, that there have been two seasons. Since Lou Holtz left, that Notre Dame averaged more than five yards a carry. Two. 6.3 for Harry Heastan's Joe Mora winning offensive line, and 5.6 for his second best line, the second best line under Brian Kelly, which was 2015. Remarkably, 4.9 yards a carry for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in that amazing rushing year of 2020. Last two years ago. Remember that running game? Right. Yeah. 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 I know yards per carry is no longer number one. It's rush efficiency, but I'll go ahead and do a rush efficiency deep dive. And I promise you, Harry, he stands six seasons. He will have one less than any of Jeff Quinn's. How's that on rush efficiency? And I can point to it now. It's probably 2013 
when they're a really good pass blocking team, they give up only eight or nine sacks and Cam McDaniel was the lead running back and George Atkinson. And it was a young Folston. That was not a great running game. Um, even, even though they had a couple pros on the team, but I'm not sure that's like, a, Oh, this offensive line coach screwed up because we didn't run well with Cam mm-hmm. McDaniel as our starting running back. <laughs> Here's my deep dive. I've been covering Nordane for 40 years. I've been around <laughs> two great offensive line coaches. One, they named an award after, and the other is Harry Heastan. That's all. That's my deep dive. BDMJ55, which incoming freshman do you think will make an immediate impact? Jalen Sneed, beyond that, um, I think you're kind of grasping at straws a little bit. Like, you know, well, could yeah. could Jerrion Price get a few carries as the fourth back? Probably. Um, you know, Tobias Merriweather is going to have an opportunity. I know he looked good in some highlight clips, as most players do in their own highlight clips. But it, to me, Sneed is the runaway winner. I'm not. I'm not. I could be convinced of a bunch of different people to be second. Yeah, I got. There's somebody. There's somebody that'll stand out before him pete and that's bryce mcpherson the punter because he's their punter <laughs> from from day one so but i hear what you're saying i i would throw in i'd throw in tobias merriweather as a, as a possibility but i you have to because uh right now list all the wide receivers you believe in on Notre Dame's roster next year well i believe in lorenzo styles everybody here does and um, I, you know, Lindsay's that again, we were talking about these stories. Lindsay averaged Pete. I, I don't think you saw this yards after the catch. He had 91 for the season. He averaged 2.8 yards after the catch on his 32 receptions. I think it was, this is an X receiver. This is an X receiver averaging less than 11 yards per reception. I mean, that is, he has got to find a way to get stronger and to break tackles. Uh, otherwise, they, they need a more productive X receiver. On Jadarian Price, you figure one of the three gets hurt, so maybe he automatically elevates, but it all depends on how good. I mean, if, if, if Chris Tyree improves and Logan Diggs, and Logan Diggs improves the way we think he can and estimate does anything, it's hard to, it's hard to get carries, but you can find carries for a running back. That's good. Right. If Jadarian price comes in, it looks great. He'll get some carries. Yeah. Is there another, I mean, we could have said Raritan, but you're still grasping to put a freshman over all the guys that are there. Well, and he tore his ACL. I mean, so, prior, I, you know, we don't know. That, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I love Billy Schroff, but I, you can't just keep running true freshman offensive linemen out there. I mean, that's one way to get rid of Spencer. no. <laughs> that's yeah. the official way to do it. Oh, yeah, that's true. No, that's true. That's true. Um, I think Spindler's going to be very good. I there's a lot of water. There's a lot of water under the bridge until although we got the freshmen coming in here, well, they're starting their semester tomorrow, so it'll be interesting to see some of those guys in the spring. Pete, I know you're going to have to run, so I'm going to have to jump. I'm going to jump up to this question, say basketball last for O'Malley and me. But the star Sevic Frank wants to know, do you think the 2022 football team will be better than the 2021 team? I mean, it's a classic. The team could be better, but the record could be worse kind of vibe about next year to me. You know, I get because they didn't play the Ohio State. They didn't play Clemson. They didn't play USC Lincoln Riley version, not Clay Hilton version. Um it's a tough schedule and you know, they like, they're not going, they're not going to be better. 
than 11 and one in the regular season. Like that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but well, they would have you. to win all the games that you <laughs> I just know. mentioned, not get upset. BYU you know, is and good. BYU, and BYU is, is going to be challenging you know, in so, a, on a neutral field. But like in terms of how good the team is, I could totally get behind the argument that they'll be better next year than they were last year. <laughs> but in terms of the regular season record, that is much, much harder to do. In fact, it's impossible because you can't make, there's only one way to be better than 11 and one. 11 and one and one. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I think they'll be better and not with a better record because you can't be better than 11. You're not going to, I don't think they're going to go 12 and 0. I do think they're going to be better. I didn't think this team was that good. I was, I'm amazed that the team, well, I look, think how, to go, look all, all right. The it, back it, seven of the defense we, we've been saying for less, how did they went 11 and one with the, that back seven? <laughs> I, I am surprised. I, I don't think, I mean, if I were to, I'm going to sit down and rate all Notre Dame's teams, maybe for next week's Monday musings. I don't, I'm amazed that, that they pulled it off. I mean, if you look at the schedule, trend it down for them and they took advantage of it. And yet, I mean, if they don't fumble a kickoff against Cincinnati, <laughs> they, they might've been 12 and 0 this year. It's a ridiculous, it's, you know, they, they appropriately wow. lost the game. Like nobody watching the team could say that team should have been 12 and 0. They that's where, lost the that's where Brian Kelly, we're going to look back and say he was underrated because it's going to be very difficult for Marcus Freeman to average 11 wins a year over the next five. I mean, it's just going to be difficult to do that. I, That's, I mean, look, we said it was Brian Kelly's best coaching job. And I think that point was only driven home further by the Fiesta bowl. Right. Right. The schedule really trended down to that point about it being his best coaching job. Though. No like, doubt about it. My gosh. It was, just, it was a and week, it's not their fault. Like if people say a week schedule and everybody, everybody says week schedule for Notre Dame every year. If they don't like Notre Dame, this actually became a very weak schedule. Yeah. It just became one. It, it didn't, it wasn't set up to be a bad schedule at all, but it sure did become a week schedule. Right. North Carolina went six and seven. You want to no, talk about the squandering of talent and Hey, Jay Bateman got fired. How about I that? Did. Who? I mean, <laughs> and he got and Gene Chizik. He got uh, to replace him. That's uh, that's an upgrade there. That was pathetic. That was the North Carolina was the biggest waste of talent. I I, I can't imagine there was more talent squandered in the country than North Carolina in in twenty twenty one. I don't probably not. That's I mean, I, they, were I, they were preseason twelve, right? Number twelve. How do you have a quarterback like that with with basically with the the offensive line intact, the defense of uh, the defense mainly intact from the year before, and you go six for seven? This isn't a North Carolina podcast. We're gonna uh, skip off of this now. So, uh, last question is a basketball question. It's from Jay Marasco. What is the ceiling for the men's basketball team? Is the NCAA tournament still possible? Is the resurgence? impacting Bray's future and from a pure talent level, how would you rank Blake Wesley? <coughs> uh, before I sign off, I, cause I don't have a hot take on this. I did go see JJ Starling play on Saturday night yes. and he is freaking amazing. Yes. He uh, is. Oh my God. Like, and he played in a game. I think I texted you guys at halftime yeah. that it was like the fourth best player on the court, including guys who were going to Duke, Indiana, Florida, Texas, Michigan state, uh, Penn State, uh, by the end of the game, he was the second place player on the court. Only the kid going to Duke from Montverde was better. Uh, 
I would pay to go watch him play basketball in Notre Dame. Isn't isn't his game? I mean, his game, JJ Starling's game is so well rounded. He can beat you in so many ways. He can influence your team positively in so many ways. We've seen Blake Wesley do that. Um, and Blake Wesley, we're hoping is coming back for a second a second year to Notre Dame next year, which we think that he is. It'll be it'll be really really fascinating to see those two in the backcourt together. Uh, as for the ceiling, they're three and one. Got to come home and beat. You got to learn to handle success. Come home and beat Clemson, right? Well, then you go to Virginia Tech, which is zero three in the conference so far. So you have a, a huge opportunity this week. They are, and if okay, let's put it this way too, Tim. If they beat or Virginia Tech, which it's only going to be like a three point spread. But people, we keep saying zero three. They're not going to be fair by much on the road. If they're three and zero on the road. You really believe no, three and you, one? They lost to BC. That's yes. Terrible. Do you but do you three really, and one on the road in, in ACC play? That's different. You really, really think happen. they're going to come out of this week five and one? No, I don't think they have that. Um, I'm, you know what? They're not. <laughs> I was about to say they don't have that maturity. They don't have that winning. Um, I don't believe them in them and like being able to handle the success as much as yeah. the. I, I don't. I didn't get some of the tweets about this shows the dog mentality they've turned the corner all that stuff like i need to see a lot more than that but it's no. a lot of- i mean they won an overtime at georgia tech right like yes yeah. yeah those are tough yeah, and you know you have trouble there but uh jo- it's not jo- josh pastner is a is a good basketball coach and they're better than owen four they've lost a couple yeah. close games but they're on four so that's that uh what is the ceiling for men's basketball higher than we probably realize because the acc is so mediocre it is so mediocre now you know, Duke's the only ranked team. They just lost at home to Miami. Miami's undefeated in the conference. Well, they'll be ranked. Eventually. Yes, they. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're thirteen and three, I believe it is. So they should will probably be ranked here today. But you know, I don't know. I don't know what the ceiling is because this team it just fluctuates so much. Nate Lashewski hits six to seven from three, scores twenty against North Carolina, and doesn't take his second shot until midway through overtime against Georgia Tech, I, I, and, he, and he makes it. Fortunately, he makes it. They had back-to-back threes, which was huge in overtime. But there, it's just too – the ebb and flow of this team, I don't – they've won five in a row, I, but I just don't have uh, confidence that this is something that can be sustained. All right, they have 16 more league games, so you might figure nine or ten of them are coming down to the last three minutes of basketball, right? Well, Bray said that they're all coming down to the yeah, West. Well, he might. I was just. I'm going low. I'm going low. It needs to be more. Um, do you think they will now make an adjustment where Prentice Hub can be off the ball and Blake Wesley has the ball for the final minute? Trying yeah, to they can. Yeah, they can. They can do that. Um, yeah. You know, Goodwin's playing really, really quality basketball now. You sure would like to see just just to get. Elijah Taylor, just to come in and pound somebody, just a, a variation from what they have, but he's, he's just not going to go there. It's a seven man rotation. It doesn't matter how much. I think he's still battling a little bit, but um, I agree with you that he's not going to go there. No. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. The NCAA is definitely possible, but I think, I don't think the ACC is going to get more than five, but probably four teams in the, in the uh, NCAA tournament. So they have, right. So they have to finish. They're actually, they're actually in the number three spot right now. Uh, They have the same record as North Carolina, but they beat North Carolina. So they're actually in the the number three spot. 
Duke's two and one. They're half game behind because of COVID and they missed some games. And, and that's the other thing. Notre Dame was supposed to play Duke on January one and didn't. They missed an opportunity, but they yeah. also avoided a, you know, what could easily have been a loss. Well, especially today. the way they were playing, nothing had turned around really. Yeah. I mean, that was right. barely beat. That was right, right after barely beating Pitt and not looking good. And but no they're definitely the last three games they've shot it very well from three point range. They're hitting their free throws. If they shoot it, I mean, if they continue the numbers that they've shown in the last five games from three point range, yes, they will make the NCAA tournament because they're veteran enough and do enough good things that, um, you know, he, that they can do that if they shoot properly. Five and one or four and two Monday. Four and two. Four and two. I, d- I just don't believe they're going to win both games. I, I could, they could lose to Clemson, which is a well coached defense first team that could cause Notre Dame to shoot four for 20 from three, even if it's at home. And then they could go on the road and beat Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech because they lost quite a bit of personnel, I think, from last year. That's it. Blake Wesley. I've got my deep dive going on uh, Harry Heastan versus the other offensive line. Tell me what you find out. Over the last 25 years. 40 years, two great offensive line coaches, one that they named an award after, the other that learned from, from Joe Moore. Notre Dame's offensive line will be just fine. They've got other issues besides Harry Heastan being their their uh, their offensive line coach. All right, that's <laughs> now you know how we feel about Harry Heastan as Notre Dame's offensive <laughs> line coach. I mean, nobody's infallible. I mean, everybody's going to have games where your offensive line doesn't produce. But I would I would stake a bet that a higher percentage of the time they're going to maximize their ability with with Harry Heastan coaching the offensive line. We appreciate you joining us here for today's Irish Illustrated Insider. Until next Monday, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, thank you for joining us.